Hi, this is Ethan Skinder, and you're listening to the Fires on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and in front of me is Roy. It is a brand new day in Padres it land. It is a brand new day. I see you're wearing your brown and gold. I'm wearing in in Preller We Trust, my brown and gold shirt. Absolutely. I'm still rocking the blue and white, but that's just because that's what I happened to pull out right. today. I've got the polo shirt on. I got a blue and white polo, and I actually have a brown with the old school Padre script on it. That nice. I, both, I, I feel very important when I wear both of them. Because I have delusions of grandeur. Oh, I, I got a brown one, a brown and white <laughs> polo at spring training a couple years ago. And so I've like I when I wear that, I feel like I look like I should be a coach or something like that. Right, like, right. I'm I'm team personnel when I'm wearing this. I feel like I'm an imposter. You know, but I'm such a I'm so shallow when I see other people wear it, I'm like, dude, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Wait, so is that what I look like today? Do I look like a poser? No, when I walked in, I'm like, wow, well, look, <laughs> Sam Guinea's here because you're also wearing golf pants. Sam always wears the golf pants. This is true. <laughs> so Saturday, they had the big unveil. That was huge. We were all there. I don't even know if we we talked before. Like, are you going? Are you going? I don't even know. You got us tickets. Oh, did you, a, well, Angela, a, Angela right. did. Angela okay. did. Since it's a membership, uh, it was a member event, uh, you, you know, and I'm, it was not like scalping, but like you guys printed out, you sent us a ticket. I printed two at work, uh-huh. uh, and that gave me and Lydia a ticket. Oh, we could have gotten, I'm, I don't Unlimited. know what the limit was. It was right. like 10 or something like that. Right. You get a bunch. So and, clearly I'm not in communication. I don't know what my wife is coordinating. So I'm, I show up and <laughs> see who I see. As, as, as do I. But I felt like it was a, like a family reunion. It was, I saw everybody down there. Yeah, we got there well before. I got there well before, every, um, before the gates opened. Because you guys were lagging. Even Lydia was coming up from Solana Beach. Uh, I stepped right in the line. Padres no hitter. Uh, Geekster. Uh, Crest Wrestling fan. Brandon. Um, I'm like, oh my God, so I don't feel like I'm alone. Although I did kind of sneak in front of a couple of people. Oh, I probably saw 30, 40 people that I knew directly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was just waiting outside. And then Tim the Hat guy showed up. Uh, and then when we got inside, it's like, hey, I, and I'm a, I'm like, I'm the extrovert. Like, I'll, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? You don't want to find me in a crowd because I'll just start saying hello to everyone and just want to talk to everyone because I just need everyone to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't figured that out by now. That's just my personality. Um, it was just incredible. You know, most of the time, and I read this somewhere, most of these things are done in like a little convention room, maybe in front of some press. Um, you know, maybe because they do it so often, like the Diamondbacks, every year it seems like they change uniforms. Um, I, the Florida Marlins, again, just changed their uniforms uh, two years ago. Hey, what'd you do there? Hey, oh. look. How about that? That's weird how that happened. Go figure. Um, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't have to put on a show like that. But that was awesome. Like was. a few years ago, they did the thing on the deck of the aircraft carrier. Yeah. But then since then, like last year, they just released that picture of the weird mannequins wearing. It's almost like they were embarrassed of it. They just kind of tried to slide it under, <laughs> slide it under, so nobody would notice. But this time, they put on a great show. They didn't have to feed everybody, and I mean, free beer. You kidding me? I guess they wanted to get everybody worked up. Uh, but yeah, big show. You've got all the broadcasters down there. You bring on three star players for the team. Yeah. And the uniforms looked fantastic. And that was kind of the big thing was like, 
who was going to show up because everyone saw Taddy show up on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, we knew he was there, but Machado didn't put anything on his Instagram. No. Nope. Like, no social media. Like Hosmer didn't put anything on his Instagram. Um, but I want to get back to the food because I, I did not. <laughs> I didn't. God, I was hungry because I needed to eat when I got there, so I just wolfed down two hot dogs and then went straight down to the field. Um, and I didn't partake in as much uh, feasting as I should have. I should have just like, like Homer Simpson, mm, hot dog, you know, and just eat hot dog after hot dog after hot dog. Well, they wouldn't give you two at a time. I no. asked the lady, I was like, can I get two? She's like, I'm not supposed to give you two. So I'm supposed to like take one, walk away, walk back, and then get another one. Right. And then there was free beer because there were like Pacifico. There was like really good beer no, no, everywhere. It, well, they were selling some beer. Okay. But then they also had the Friar, the Swing and Friar Ale. Ah. That was free. See, what? what? They just, you just walk up, show your ID, and they pour you a half a glass of beer, and there you go. And so, I mean, people were just walking in circles. Right. Refill, refill, <laughs> refill. Let me borrow your shirt. I'll wear something else. See, this is funny. Since I've been sober, I've been had I've had more opportunities to drink for free. I've known more bartenders uh, that said, "Yeah, she come." You know, the don't they know I don't drink, but they're like, "Yeah, I'm a bartender. Yeah, and this is what I do." Than ever I did when I was drinking. Go figure. It's well, like it's like somebody gets married and then they get flirted with everywhere they turn. Right. Right. Go That's... figure. <laughs> In other news, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Happy actual birthday. Well, we actually, yeah, since then and before then, I turned the big 5-0, big 50. Emotionally about 16. Hey, that's fine. Never grow up. Uh, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Right. <laughs> so speaking of uniform changes. Absolutely. We, today, there were a couple of announcements from a couple of Padres affiliates. Absolutely. Real quick before we get into that, we forgot to really mourn the loss and congratulate the new beginning for Jason Panini. Yes, congratulations. Uh, long time, you know, co-founder of Prospects Live. Uh, he's, I was telling this to Lid the other day, like he's he's been doing this evaluating ever since I've, we've had the podcast, since we've had the podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, well, because he used to be an associate scout for the Brewers. Right. And then once he was let go, whatever, after that ended, he's been doing this kind of freelance and he's with doing no it. Job. To, well, he's been doing it to try to get a job, right? But for a year, he's been putting out his analysis. He's been recording video and putting that up. He's been writing these articles and all this stuff. Yeah, just putting himself out there however he can, and the hard work paid off. Absolutely. So he now works for the Minnesota Twins. Good for him. Absolutely. So and now, he's going to be an area scout in in Phoenix. Yeah. So he gets to stay home. Yeah. Well, what home is for him right now? Because yeah. he's originally from Massachusetts. Yeah, he's from back. He is Connecticut, Massachusetts, something like yeah. that. Yeah. But so that's where he's used to being. So he's going to scout the affiliates or the um, the Complexes. summer the yeah. summer complex. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is Minnesota. They're 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 in Florida. Yeah, but they still need to know about minor so, leaguers from the other teams. Well, I think he's happy to not have to move to Florida. Florida. Yeah, doing what he does. And it, I get the impression that he's just ready to pick up and go whenever an opportunity comes. Oh, yeah. But it is nice to have a central base and be able to stay within at least a couple hours drive. Yeah. Where some of these guys, they're covering an entire region. Yeah. And it's just you go to a ball game, and then you drive through the night. So then you can go to two more games the next day. And it's just go, go, go. Well, you know, that's the funny thing about the romance of baseball is how dirt poor people are and how hard it is. And like people are like, oh, yeah, we'd we'll love to be a scout. Well, scouts? They travel hundreds of miles a day, uh, several times a week, and you know live out of the cars. And every crappy. once in a while, they get to see their family, right? You know, and then and occasionally one of their guys gets signed. Mm -hmm. um, but congratulations, Jason Panini. He yeah, can, he can no longer. Now we have a friend that's a scout, but we also lost a very good guest. 
Well, that's that's fine. That's good for him. Yeah. Super happy for him. All right, so now back to where I was. Today. Today, uh, the Tin Caps and the Amarillo Sod Poodles announced their alter egos as the Copa de Diversión. Um, the Tin Caps will be the Manzanas Luchadores de Fort Wayne, and Amarillo will be the Pointy Boots de Amarillo. That's the Fighting Apples, which goes right along with the Johnny Tin Cap. Well, and but it's like Wayne. Lucha Libre. Yeah. And so the logo, it's great. It's the apple, but it's wearing <laughs> the mask. And I like that their colors stayed the same. Yeah. I guess the, the flip side of that is if they switch up their colors, then they sell more merchandise because people have to get the other stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that's a really good question because I don't know how well the margarita stuff or like El Paso was selling. I don't know, but you go up to, to uh, Lake Elsinore and you see a bunch of the Cadejos stuff yeah. last year. You oh, see yeah. a lot of that, oh, yeah. the, the black and the white that they had. And that, what was it, like a teal blue that they... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for the pointy boots to Amarillo. Okay. Did you see the pictures of that? Did you see some of the gifts? I did. I thought they're like, well, yeah, pointy boots. They're just a boot that, you know, cause boots have a point. Oh, no, this is a whole cultural thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Where they've got those crazy boots where the points go like two, three feet past the end of their toes and they curl all the way up. And it's like, I don't know. Remember the Ram, there's a Ram or a goat, like a mountain goat with a big horns like that. Or yeah. like some African yeah. animal. That's what those look like. And yeah, but they guys, don't fight. They don't use those to fight. No, but they dance with them, and it's like, it's like, it's like some weird, it's just bizarre. Well, I love it. There's all kinds of marketing and fun and games you can do with that. Well, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, you know, celebrating the culture. And now learning that there's a pointy boot culture, there's a dance to it, there's a there's a whole thing with it. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I don't know exactly what part of Mexico it is, but it's definitely a northern Mexico cultural thing. So... That's that's fun, I love it. Yeah. So now I need to go get I need to get something with that Manzanas Luchadores logo on it. That is that is so cool. You know, in between that and the new uniforms from the Padres, I just gonna have to get a fourth job or something. You need more people to to to, to put you on their Christmas list. <laughs> I need more friends. I need more wealthy. I need, hey, you wealthy. need to go visit Santa Claus. Yes. Santa, here's what I want. I want a hat from the Manzanas Luchadores. I need a Padres jersey. <laughs> you know what me and Santa? You know what me and Santa bought? Huh. We bought a brand new television. That's what me and Santa did. Okay, that's so, that's pretty big. That, yeah, it's a very very nice television. Yeah, we were talking about the uniforms. Which one was your favorite of the three Padres uniforms that they unveiled? I love the uh, alternate pinstripe road jerseys. Okay, the one that Caddy wore. So, did you hear the story behind that? Yeah. Uh, apparently, that wasn't even supposed to be part of the plans. So they were only going to do the solid brown road jersey. And then Major League Baseball said, wait, in case the home team chooses to wear solid. a dark colored yeah. jersey, you need to have a light colored alternate. Yeah. And the pinstripes were one of the runners up in their little co internal competition. Yeah. And they threw that back in. And I've heard so many people agree with, because uh, I, I agree. I love that. Yeah. Tan That's pinstripe. the shirt I'm buying. That's yeah. the jersey I'll buy. I have never purchased a full Padres jersey. But I'll wait until later this year when Mackenzie Gore or Luis Patino come up, and that's when I'll buy them on. Nice. Yes. Good idea. Those are $300 jerseys, man. That's a very expensive jersey. Well, but so Majestic, Majestic had the contract until this year. Yeah. Now it's going to be Nike. Yeah. Majestic had the flex base that was the uniform, the jersey that the players wore. So you could buy that, and that was the $300, $350 jersey. But then they also had the cool base, which was it looked the same. It didn't have the long tail. Right. Um. And it was, and that was the one that they sold for 
I'll say less than 200. I want to say okay. the full retail was like 180 and then you can All get right. them for like 120, 150. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, that's not so bad. No. I mean, it's still a lot of money for one piece of merchandise, but still. Yeah. It's but yeah, so that's going to be great getting all that uh, merch. Moving on. <laughs> the the dramatic pause. Moving on. Hey, El Paso won the Ballpark Digest uh Continued Excellence Award. This is a huge award. Uh, the Continued Excellence Award honors teams that excel year in and year out. Many other Ballpark Digest awards are generated, are geared for peak annual performances, but the Continued Excellence Award takes a long view of what a team accomplishes over the course of several years. This year saw the Chihuahuas both host the AAA All-Star Game and the Minor League Baseball Innovators Summit. In the course of drawing 7,578 fans a game, the team also was central in how El Paso addressed a tragic event in the 2019 season, the August 3rd mass shooting where a gunman entered a Walmart and killed 22 people while injuring 24 others. The community memorial service was held at Southwestern uh, Southwest University Park on August 14th to commemorate the victims. In addition, the Mountain Star Sports Group Foundation, that's the owner of, uh, that's the owner of El Paso Chihuahuas, on behalf of the El Paso Chihuahuas Foundation, El Paso Locomotive Football Club Foundation, the Foster Family Foundation, and the Hunt Family Foundation donated one hundred fifty dollars. So this this one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Sorry, one hundred fifty dollars. Sorry, yeah, one hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. So this is and, and on top of the one of the things that we reported on earlier a few several episodes ago was the uh, was the dental work that they had done, like the dental fair. I can't remember what it's called. But these these things that happen at the ballpark that don't have nothing to do with baseball um, that help the community out, that uh, it's fantastic. You know, that's I, I lost for words there for a second, but it's just amazing how the ballpark can be and, and the baseball team can be much more than just, a, you know, a summer event. They really do have a wonderful relationship with the community of El Paso. Yeah. And the ballpark itself is a, is a gem. Yeah. That's another one that you need to go visit. Yes. Angela and I want to go visit all the affiliates, but we've had a chance to go out to El Paso and uh, and visit the ballpark twice. But really this, so it's the it's Ballpark Digest that hands the award out, but it really goes more to the ownership group and the management group that are running the organization. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. need to have a nice facility, world-class, all of that, but it's the things you do with that facility right. that is what fills this award. Better than like monster trucks and stuff like that. Hey, monster trucks are rad though. <laughs> Our monster jam, monster jam. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So moving on, did you still know that it's still July? We're still signing international product. Oh yeah, and, until July second of two thousand twenty. It is the July second, two thousand nineteen signing period. Absolutely. So the Padres signed Mexican sixteen-year-old left-handed pitcher Zayed Salinas for eight hundred thousand dollars. Left-handed pitcher. 16 years old, three pitch mix, fastball 87 to 90 at 16, uh, with a curve and a changeup. So he's six foot two. He's a he's a tall drink of water. Yeah. And uh, Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs had him as the best pitching prospect in all of Mexico. Yeah. And he was 27th overall by MLB Pipeline, I believe, for overall okay. prospect. So certainly that is a very good pickup. Well. They picked up Luis Patino when he was about the same age, yeah. and he was throwing a little bit less than that. Yeah. So it, it that's one of the things that I can never wrap my brain around is how you look at a 16-year-old kid and imagine what they're going to do when they're 24, 26 years old. Yeah. But when you have somebody that's got the frame, the athleticism, um, you get to know enough about the makeup, 
then you make a decision to invest almost a million dollars in a kid. Absolutely. And you can't extrapolate that. Oh, he's 16 and he's throwing 90. Oh, at 21, he's going to be throwing 105. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. He might add two or three miles an hour. He might add eight or nine. Right. How do you know? Right. But it was. I just found that really interesting that we'd signed someone. So kind of not late in the, yeah, kind of late in the period, because right after July 2 is when they really do all the big signing. Like that month of, of signing is when all that money gets gobbled up with players. But he might not have been available. I, I don't know how it works from an age qualification standpoint. 16 is the youngest. Um, he is in Mexico. He plays for, I want to say, the, Diab- the Diablos Rojos. I don't, really? Out of Mexico City? Yeah, I need to look I need to look up. I, I'm speaking out of, out of line right now. Um, but yeah, he's played a, a organized baseball in Mexico. Okay. So maybe he belonged to a team and he wasn't available because in Mexico they have to work out an arrangement with the team that they play with. Yeah. Up until this year, the, the team got 75% of the money and then they just they re, redid that agreement. So it's I don't know what the new arrangement is, but they have to negotiate with the team. It's not just with the player and their handler. Which is good because you don't want that money going to the team. It must have money to be going to the player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Major League Baseball had a big issue with that, and they fixed it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Friar Wire is reporting that Johnny Hamza and Australian native Jared Dale are heading to the ABL. Hamza 20 hit 216 for Tri-Cities with eight homers and 30 RBIs, 45 runs uh, with a 313 on base, and 21 walks in 53 games. Yeah, while splitting time between third base and catching. Yeah. He's, he's learning how to become a catcher. So get him all the reps you can, absolutely. <laughs> Now, Dale, 19, is a 2017 international draft, hit 301, 338 on base with 16 walks and 31 games, and will play for the Melbourne Aces, and that was in the Arizona League. So he played, he didn't leave the complex, Jared. Correct, yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's so young. They signed yeah. him as another international signee, yeah. I think when he was 17. Um, he's from Australia. Yeah. I believe his dad played minor league ball. Um, so he's he's an interesting guy that I've always... You, you 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 see these players that the Padres sign, and it just sticks in your head. It's like I I don't know why, but I'm fascinated with. And the, both of those guys, Hamza and Jared Dale, are two players that I'm just I'm intrigued by them. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to learn more. I want to see what they do. And I remember watching Jared back when he was 17 playing in the Australian League a couple of years ago. Um, and the funny thing in this spring training, I was over in the far field. Like during spring training, you know. These games are all the complex guys and Tri-City guys. And this over here, these are all the high A guys and kind of double A guys and guys that are in the bubble mixed in. You know, every ball field has their level of players. And so I was over at the, you know, the the complex guys. And I noticed Dale up the bat and he swung at a ball that was right around his neck. And I, I just blurted out ball. <laughs> and he turned back. He just turned back and glanced. And I was like, oh, what a... What a D word. <laughs> and I realized that oh, I, they can hear me. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like, dude, you swung at a ball. It was like, you know, just being a baseball guy, I, I like the ball, but he swung at it. <laughs> Show I, some respect, I, sir. Dude, I, 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 I have the utmost respect. I just can't sometimes shut my mouth up. Well, staying in, uh, in Australia, Kelvin Melian and Juwan Harris are going to play. Um, the, the second half. The second half of the season. Yeah. 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 And it, I, it, I want to, I have so many questions that pop up at, at, and I, this is one I want to have like someone like, like Sam Gini on quick dial. So I can know, like, I want to know. So the season ends, these guys have to go home. They have stuff to do, whatever. How do they work out that schedule of you're going to go, you know, on November 15th, you're going to be on a plane going to, to Australia. Right. How, how do they work that out? Because I, 
Kelvin Melian, I believe he's from Venezuela, I want to say. He's he's from a South American country. Yeah, absolutely. So at the end Converted of the season. third baseman. Yeah, so maybe he went home to go, you know. Right. You, these Some guys, kind of they go home for a month and they'll come back up. They'll go back to Peoria. I, I, I don't know. I find all this stuff interesting. So yeah, Melian, Kelvin Melian is, this was his third year of pro ball this year. He played, he, he's bounced up and down the levels, but this year he finally started to show some ability to stick at advanced single A. Yeah. Because he was up here at Lake Elsinore last year. Yeah. Looked a little bit overwhelmed. This year he's bounced between Tri-Cities, Fort Wayne, and Lake Elsinore, and he finally had a good year. So yeah, third base, second base, shortstop, pretty much plays everywhere. I think he even played some first base at, at Lake Elsinore. Because they don't really have a first baseman. Yeah, so moving on, Lake Elsinore, Felipe Blanco is a coach for okay. the Can- Canberra Calvary. Assistant coach, all right. Yeah. Well, another thing that with um, with Jared Dale playing with the Melbourne Aces is something that I kind of mentioned last last episode was, you know, that we said that Calvary had, is now an affiliate, or the Padres are now affiliate of the Calvary, or the Canberra Calvary. I guess they're not exclusive. Well, it's it's a, I think it's more of a like a business agreement, an arrangement. Right. It's not an affiliation. It's just a handshake agreement that we're going to send you some of our players, and you know they've got a, a collaboration like that. And maybe Jared's from Melbourne, so maybe that's like his hometown team, kind of like with the with the Latin teams in in Benetton, Dominican Republic. If you come from the city, that's the team you play for. Like maybe give me a second i've just been doing another brain pause he's from victoria and i'm trying to punch in real quick because i know that that's in victoria. new south victoria or <clears throat> melbourne is in new south wales so he is oh no it's in victoria okay so i don't know the exact city that he's from but he is from that state that territory right. i don't i don't even know i i, I feel so so <laughs> Australia, it's the mystery, dude. It's the mystery. It's the outback. They've got snakes and spiders and stuff that want to kill you. Everything wants to kill you in Australia. <laughs> Except for Jared Dale. I bet he's a nice no, guy. No, I'm sure he's a great guy. And let's don't talk smack, I guess, when he's playing ball. But moving on. So Mad Friars reported the signing of... Uh, they re-signed six minor league players. So that's Carlos Berlin, Tyler Higgins, Emmanuel Ramirez, and catcher Webster Rivas, and infielders Ivan Castillo and Seth Mejias Breen. Seth Mejias Breen had been removed from the 40-man roster, but elected to stay with the organization. Yeah, so all of those guys have been minor leaguers long enough that they're no longer under team control. Yeah. So you, you sign a guy, you've got him for, I believe it's seven years, and then at the end of that, they become free agents. Yeah. So the Padres did have quite a few guys walk, uh, but these guys decided to come back and spend another year with the Padres organization. So good for them. Which is fantastic because Seth Mejias came up and just had, I mean, if anything in his life, and you can't tell when, after he hit the Grand Slam when they were interviewing him, he's like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the and moment. To, I and mean, to have that moment is just insane. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was a tank, too. Did you see? Oh he hit it up God. into the tunnel in the second deck. <laughs> it was, it was crushed. Well, his, you know, his swing is geared like that. He's got a wide stance and he is, he's a thick guy. It kind of reminds me of um, of uh, Jeff Bagwell yes. a little bit, watching yeah. the the real wide stance and he's kind of thick through the middle, but he can play anywhere. Yeah, maybe he's the new Arky Sinfraco. You love who? Who else? You and you and else who loves? It's, is that Marcus? Marcus. Marcus yeah. loves Arky Sinfraco. I see Marcus Sinfraco hit a home run. Or Marcus Arky Sinfraco hit a home run. I just, I just I love the guy that'll do everything. That yeah. can play anywhere, um, and he always came across as a nice guy. So <clears> I've <throat> always just liked Arkie Sinfraco. So moving on to news, this is no really, this isn't 
news at all. This is what you would expect, but MILB voted... MILB staff voted Mackenzie Gore as the starting pitcher of the year. His uh, trophy case is filling up quick. Right. And and I tell you, he's not going to say it. it doesn't mean any, it means nothing until he gets to the bigs. And I think even if he starts getting silverware there or hardware there, it's going to be just that's what he does. That's he, His expectation is that high. Um, Brian, MILB's Brian Schultz uh, did a write-up for it. The nagging finger problem, a thing of the past for this standout season. Gore is the MILB staff pick of the starting pitcher of the year. Um, and that's his Milby McKenzie. That that was important that I was healthy all year, just from a lack of workload standpoint, so I could keep handing more handling more innings as they came. Gore said, "Kind of put last year, kind of put me behind the eight ball a little bit, but this year was a huge just from an innings standpoint." For Padres player of player to ah, hello. For Padres director of player development Ben Sestanovich, it was clear that a promotion was warranted. Ben. I think the biggest thing this year for him was taking the ball every sixth day, and that put him in a position to make some real strides, Sustanovich said. Generally players, generally, players give us a good sense of when they're ready. Obviously, his performance this year kind of puts him in a place that makes it possible for him to do a lot of things next year. The transition to AA from him, nothing about the game was different. Quote, the amount of preparation was the same, Gore said. Nothing changed from that, but the hitters are older, and their approach is a little better. There was only one problem, according to Stanovich, and it wasn't going to be that big of a problem to have. One result of having a pretty dominant year is that you don't pitch it with a ton of traffic on the base paths. But I think that is something that he's just going to have to continue to get exposed to as he moves up the ladder. But that's through no fault of his own. <laughs> like we need you to, we need you to get more guys on base so you can develop your, you know, maybe throw to first base, maybe pitching with you know traffic and. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what those simulated scrimmages are for yeah. back in the complex where somebody always – you start every inning with a runner on first base and they cycle those guys through. <laughs> oh, you hit a single? Okay, go sit down because we've got our designated runners up here. Right. We got to a point in the year where we needed to slow him down a bit and got to a point in August where we felt getting him out of competition for a period of time made sense as a way to control the workload, Sustanovich said. No one wants to get so – no one wants to get sent down, Gore added – Ended up working out great. That's just part of it. You do what they're told. You do what you're told. My last outing, my stuff was back to where it needed to be. In July, I started to get better and better, and was just trying to be efficient because they weren't just going to let me go out there and throw 120 pitches. I had to figure out a way to get seven innings within the pitch count. I was just efficient that day. A lot of strikes and aggressive in the strike zone. You know, I remember Chris Paddock talking about that the yeah. year before. Yeah. That he knew he only had so many bullets in a given day. So I'm going to try to make my 80 pitches get me as deep as I can. Yeah, the, the efficiency. You know, you can build up arm strength and bullpens and extra work, but that, like, you have this many pitches and you want to go as deep as you can, and it teaches efficiency. Uh, throughout the season, Stanovich, Stanovich saw... What made Gore such a hot commodity among scouts in Whiteville High School in North Carolina? I think Mark Connor and his crew did a great job with just getting to know McKenzie and getting to know the person. Everything we heard about him leading up to the draft and before he reported to us was pretty spot on. The work ethic, the competitiveness, the quality of teammate, all the things that our amateur scouts identified in terms of his makeup became pretty clear as he, put, as he first put on a Padres uniform. I think one of the McKenzie's strength is just his competitiveness between the ears. His ability to slow the game down and compete is in a really good spot. 
Well, yeah, he's got the makeup. Yeah. And so you, you watch him go to work. I mean, even here in, in Lake Elsinore, and he's just professional. It's it's game day. It's it's on. Yeah. And so we've had a chance to see the candid side of him where he'll kind of relax a little bit. Yeah. And there is the friend, friendly, cordial side. You can you can see behind the the curtain that he likes to have fun yeah. and, and kick back and all that. But when he's on the job, he takes it as serious as anybody. Very serious. Um, on his future game experience, <clears throat> on his futures game experience, it was a lot of fun. Gore said it was a good experience just to be around all those guys. We just had a good time with it, so that was awesome. I was glad I was able to do it. Now he didn't pitch much. He pitched one inning, and it yep. was early in the game. Yeah, and it was kind of a ho hum inning, so it didn't really yep. draw a whole lot of attention. It didn't. It, it wasn't like Patino coming in late and having to shut him down with electric stuff. No, which was kind of you know, which was uh. In a way, I was like, God, I, I wanted more. That expectation, like, okay, here's our guy. Here's our guy. Um, I think he walked a guy. I think his first guy, he walked on four pitches. He did. He walked his first guy. And, you know, he got out of that jam. I think it was a never, the guy running a first in snow. He picked him off. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He faced Sorry. the minimum. Yeah, he picked yeah, the guy off. He yeah. picked the guy off. <laughs> so there's your development with guys in traffic. <laughs> well, and his, his stuff isn't the kind of stuff that you watch it and it just stands out like you watch you watch Patino and he's got so much late run on his fastball yeah and he's got a breaking ball that just it's where with with Gore it's it's the pace it's the confidence that he delivers everything with and it's the command that he's just moving it around but if you're not paying a whole lot of attention it's just you realize the game's going by quick yeah He's getting out real fast. It, you know, it makes me think of his is Felix Hernandez when he first came up. That, yeah, he had the high fastball that was all the story, and he had a good curveball, but it wasn't, it wasn't eye popping stuff. But it was so effective that nobody could touch yeah. it. After winning the Texas League Championship at Amarillo, Gore remains hungry and looks to compete, uh, complete his climb through the Padres system. Personally, I have had some time this offseason to reflect on the year and see what I need to get better at. Last year left a bad taste in my mouth, so I went to the offseason really ready to go, and I've been, I've done a good job on that this year so far. But just making the same amount of strides this offseason as I did last offseason. Dominate the day. Dominate the day, boy, I tell you. God, I just can't. He's going to come up soon. You know, he's really going to come up soon. And Well, he's going to be fun to watch in spring training. He's going to be fun to watch in spring training. I don't think we'll be able to. He'll be in big league camp, so he'll probably be off limits to us. But maybe we can see. Maybe one of us can get a chance to hold on to him for a minute or two and have a chat. Maybe. I I just want to see him face big league competition. Yeah. More so than just a couple of rehab guys, you know, a hundred pence. I want to see a couple of veterans take a step back and like have that look in there like, of, oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, that's who we're talking That's who Gore is. That's who McKenzie is. Yeah. Hey, before we bring on Ethan Skender, I'm going to tell you about my friend, Dr. Travis Ehlers, certified sports chiropractic physician. 14 years in the business. He specializes in sports injuries and prevention. He works with high school, college, and several local professional athletes, including athletes at the U.S. Olympic Center in Chula Vista. He goes to the NFL Combine every year. He'll fix you up. He'll fix your athlete up. He'll keep you on the field. Call and make an appointment, 844-627-4763, or go to drtraversehelers.com. That's D-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-E-H-L-E-R-S.com. We'll be right back with Ethan Skender.
Ethan Skinner picked in the 28th round of the 2016 amateur draft from State College of Florida, Manatee, Sarasota. His professional career started with a series of knee surgeries in 2016, 2017, and another in 2018. That left the trainers and Ethan himself wondering if he could have a normal life, let alone play baseball. His grit and tenacity to get back to the game he loved finally paid off in this spring training. Healthy for the first time since 2015, Ethan made quick work of the Arizona League, hitting 385, 441, and 673 in 14 games. In July, he played his first affiliated game for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. In 41 games, the Illinois native hit 275, 347, 366, and we're happy to have him on the show with us. Welcome, Ethan. Hey, it's great to be here, guys. Uh, I'm glad you could have me, and I'm excited to to talk to you and, you know, just talk for a while and, you know, get to know each other better. All right, so how cold? There's a cold snap going through America right now, and <laughs> how cold is it there? Uh, it is probably about 30 degrees here right now. Oh. Uh, so it's pretty cold. Yeah, we just got snow. We just got snow here about two, three days ago. Um, so that's always fun. But yeah, it's very cold here right now. That's for sure. Now, now that you're back home, are you tasked with going out and shoveling the snow? Uh, you know, that's actually my grandpa actually does it. Um, they actually live right next to us, and he has a huge Kubota tractor and. He just goes throughout the streets and pretty much he does our families and a couple other ones. So, so your grandpa got, is got, Mr. Plow. Mr. I was going to say Mr. Plow. Yeah. So I got lucky through the, for that for sure. Well, that's, so first let's talk about your Halloween outfit, man. You you're you were the Joker, but you were the um, Jared Leto. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, my girlfriend, me and her. Like, because she lives in Alabama, so we weren't expecting to be together on Halloween. She was gonna, she said she was coming uh, November 6th, actually. So, you know, I come home after working out one day, um, and there's a huge, she said she sent me a package, right? So I'm like, all right, what do we, what do we got here? It's, it was huge. It was sitting a little, it was right here, sitting right there. <laughs> and I go up to it. My mom has her, her uh, camera out, and I'm like, did best did she tell you to like record this or something? Right. Um, because I didn't know what was in there. So I like slowly open it and all of a sudden like her hand shoot out of the box and I honestly like have never been so like scared. Like I I jumped out of my I just I was so shocked too. It was it was so funny, but yeah. Did but I- anyway, after that, she said, I already have our costumes picked out. And it was those the Joker and uh, Harley Quinn from yeah. the movie uh, Suicide Squad. So, yeah, she wanted to go all out with it. And my grandma's a beautician. So we just walked right up there and she did all our hair and, you know, she got us fixed up. So it was it was really fun. That's fantastic. Hey, and Roy, Roy's trying to look for the picture right now. It's on Instagram. Is, is it? Okay, I saw it's the video. It's on Instagram. <laughs> hey, so growing up smack dab in the middle of Illinois, Cubs a Cards fan. Yeah, so honestly, that's a great question because it's literally half and half. You have your occasional like White Sox fan around here, but um, <laughs> Cardinals. Cardinals, Cardinals for sure. Woo! Yeah, I grew up uh, whole family like the Cardinals. Um, that's just grew up watching them, grew up loving them, and you know it's yeah, it's definitely half and half. That's so, for sure. So who's some of the pl- go ahead? So who are some of your favorite players yeah. growing up? Uh, Albert Pujols. Uh, Definitely, man. That guy was fun to watch. Um, Jim Edmonds, one of the best center fielders of all time. Uh, that those the 
I was up during that uh, 2011 World Series when David Freese hit that triple, and I, that's the craziest game I've ever witnessed. Like, I, I honestly don't know what happened there. Like, I remember even talking to uh, – it was my first season in 2016, okay. and Skip Schumacher. Yeah. It was during, during Instructs, and, like, huge – like huge Cardinal fan growing up. So I'm like, Holy crap, that's Skip Schumacher. Like I want to go up and like talk to him. So like I asked him, I was like, like, honestly, be honest. Did you guys think you were going to win that game? Like he was like, honestly, Ethan, like <laughs> even Tony LaRusso at one point was like, we never see him like say anything, but he was like, uh, it was, it was just incredible. Like, I don't know how we won that, but it was pretty cool. Like seeing him around, like that's one of the best guys out there, man. Skip Schumacher's the best. Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool when you grow up, you know, following a certain team, and then you wind up running into players that you idolized growing up. That's 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 really neat. That's for sure. So that's for sure. So what was your high bad. school? Ex- was, you go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> go I ahead. was just about to say, like, growing up too, like, like in the Cardinals, like one of the first guys I saw was Mark McGuire, and that was like that was pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been starstruck before, but when I saw him, I was like, "That's Big Mac right there. That's awesome." Did yeah. you get a chance to talk <laughs> to him, interact with him at all? Yeah, so in the first spring training, um, I was dressed up for a big league uh, spring training game, and he goes to call me, like put me in the game, and he couldn't pronounce my last game, last name, but you know, I'm not gonna like correct him, correct Mark McGuire. <laughs> I'm not gonna go out there and correct Mark McGuire, so I'm just like, yeah, I'm right, I'm right here, Kinder here. So uh, yeah, he sent me in the game. It was cool, but it was it was fun. <laughs> He's so big, he could snap you in too. So that's what I'm saying. I wasn't gonna correct him. I was like, "You call me Skeeters, Blender, whatever you want to call me, I'll be fine with it." <laughs> I I bet you got a lot of that growing up with with the name Skander. You can do a lot of things with that name. So what was it like growing up with high school in uh, in Illinois? You have any any memories from that to stick out to you? Uh, honestly, just uh, I love it here, man. Um, small town. A lot of good people, a lot of nice people around here. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of good memories uh, growing up because I grew up. I've lived here my whole life. So um, I have friends to this day that will be my friends for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just small town, close-knit community. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to grow up anywhere else for sure. So small town, do you do any hunting, any fishing? Actually, no, I, I don't do any of that. Uh, my grandpa has some property. Um but none of us hunt, so it kind of goes to waste in that aspect. But, Dude, it's okay. I, I'm born and raised in San Diego. I've surfed two times in my whole life. Blonde hair, blue eye, and I've oh. surfed twice in my life. I've surfed once, what? and it was actually in California. We had like a tournament there when I was in high school, and I had the strap on my leg, and I went under the waves, and it drugged me all across the ocean floor. I thought I was going to die. I got up. I was like, I'm never doing this again, and I'm I'm literally never doing that again. Yeah. It can get pretty gnarly down there. It, it can. So you're like an hour outside of Peoria, right? I'm right next to Peoria, like 15 minutes from Peoria. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Nice. So yeah. so you can, find, you can go find fun if you're looking for it, but you're out where it's quiet. Yeah, so- pretty much. Like, you know, there's some decent places to go out and have a good time with your friends, but for the most part, not, not a lot to do around here. What was senior prom like? Uh, senior prom was a great time. Um, you know, with it's the times you'll never forget with your friends. Uh, I went with a girl named Caitlin. We had a great time and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a really fun time. That's for sure. So getting back to baseball, you, uh, 
I understand you helped take Metamora to a state championship in 2015. Uh, was that their first championship ever? Actually, that was, in 2014, we made it to state. We never won state. And uh, in 2014, we uh, we made state. We got third place, and that was our the only time uh, – our school was ever placed in state. So yeah, that was, it was really special to be a part of that. And then and actually in the next year, we, we made it to the super sectional and lost, but it was, it was really, it was really special to make it to state for the first time in uh, our school's uh, history. So it was cool. Nice. I was looking back. I, I understand Joe Girardi's uncle was the head coach there, like back in the sixties or seventies. Wow. No kidding. That's that crazy. Is- I didn't know that. Yeah, I tried to do a little bit of research. Dude, that's some research. That's awesome. <laughs> so that is some research. I had no clue. You did some perfect game showcases. How was that? I like those. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I had a good time doing those. Those were fun. Um. A lot of the events I did were the tournaments, and you know, playing against all the, you know, good competition. You know, helped me better myself. Um. Growing up, and yeah, those tournaments are awesome. Like I have nothing but respect for those tournaments, and you know, I had a blast at them. Like Jupiter, that was one of the most fun I've had playing baseball. You know, I went there to my junior and senior year, so that was really a lot of fun. Did, yeah, those tournaments were a lot of fun. Did you face anybody that got drafted? Uh, I actually, <laughs> my junior year, Chris Paddock was a senior, and he was on the Banditos, and we actually beat them in the lead eight. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He uh. He, I didn't even like. He was the one that brought it up to me because he saw like I played for the Reds Midwest Scout team, and he played for Banditos. Like obviously, I didn't recognize him because he didn't pitch that game. But uh, he was like, "Dude, I'm I was on the team that you guys beat in the lead eight. I'm like, no way, that's crazy. So it was it was pretty cool. So you were on the Reds Scout team. Um, they drafted you. You decided not to sign with them. Yeah. And then yeah. a couple years later, they were talking to you again, like they were going to draft you. In the draft, you went to the Padres, right? Right. So, yeah, so in 2015, um, we just couldn't come to, to terms with the deal. Um, and so all that, I'll just tell you the whole story throughout like the start of my draft process. So I committed to Kansas State out of high school. Um, the the hit, assistant hitting coach, or the head hitting coach left there, and he was kind of the one I kept in contact with the most time. Um so I kind of was, like, iffy about going there in the first place. Um, and then, actually, the head coach of the Red Scout team reached out to me after I got drafted by the Reds. Um, he said, hey, man, like, I have a really good junior college if you're interested in going to down in Florida. Um, the scouting director for the Red Sun goes there. Um, and he, like, I met up with the scouting director. Uh, his uh, He's a great dude. His name's uh, Buckley and uh we had a great talk and he just pretty much said like you know I think you would benefit from going to a junior college um but just ended up going there um loved it there state college of Florida was one of the best experiences of my life um went there um committed to Arizona State and I was very uh I was really looking forward to Arizona State um Tracy Smith, the head coach there, um, treated me awesome. We we were looking forward to it. We actually had – I think we had the number one recruiting class going into Arizona State that year. Wow. I know Gavin Lux was committed. Bo Bichette was committed to go there. Um, and obviously they're already in the big leagues um, having good careers already. So who knows what we would have done there. But, but yeah, um, 
after that, I uh, that 2016 draft, I was in talks with. Honestly, I wasn't even in talks with the Padres at all throughout that draft. Um, I was in talks with a couple teams because um, a lot of them knew like my knee was actually hurting at that point. Right. So I couldn't go to any of the workouts, um, and that kind of stunk. Um, so after that, uh, the Reds were talking to me in like the 11th round of that draft. Um, and we just, we couldn't get to a negotiation that we, we both wanted. And I just, I was very strong in my commitment, commitment to, uh, Arizona state. And I had no problem with, you know, tell them, thank you. Like, I appreciate you guys, but I'm going to, I want to go play baseball at Arizona state for a little bit. And so after that, like I was, honestly just relaxing during the draft because I was I, I figured no one else would come to ask offer me what I was looking for and like come to any terms so I was just chilling on the couch and I was on Twitter just scrolling through Twitter and I, someone tagged me in something and then the Padres like drafted me I, they didn't even call they called me like <laughs> they, they called me like 10 seconds after I got tagged in the tweet I was like wait what and then they called me and uh, they were just like don't go to ASU yet. Like we're going to try to come up with, uh, you know, we want to come to terms and you know, we want you to sign. We want to have you. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's no problem at all. You know, waited about, I mean, when I don't even remember when I signed, it was, it was late. It was, you were like up. you said earlier, I was the, I think I was the last signee that year. Yeah. Um, so they, we ended up like, you know, they, they called me and they said, you know, we we both liked the offer and they they wanted to uh, sign me and I was you know very happy to be a part of the Padres organization and you know looking back there's nothing I would do different um, I'm so blessed to be with the Padres and you know just looking forward to the years to come. So when it came down to figuring out a number, um, yeah, it's no secret what the what the team's pool is. And at this point, pretty much all the signing bonuses are announced on Twitter. Like as soon as they're 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 agreed upon, were you tracking all of that? Did you know how much they had left in the pot? Honestly, I just try not to think about it as much as possible. Right. Um, so not really, but well, so but yeah, I just wasn't really thinking about it. Well, and not to get to specifics, but. Like when you come to terms with teams, it's really about how much money, right? That's it's really about how much money, and they're like going, "Hey, you're kind of injured. We think you're gonna, you're worth this much," uh, and you're like, "Hey, but I played this well." You know, it's kind of a nego- negotiation is about money. A hundred percent, yeah. Like when it comes down to it, it's definitely about uh, money and all that. Um, you know, and I was very strong, like going to get an education and going to Arizona State, and that was a big part of it. Um, and you know. I, my my dream was to play pro ball, yeah. and you know they gave me a fair offer and a great offer, and I'm so blessed that they did. And I'm just I'm just blessed to be where I am today. There's no doubt about it. So, it you 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 were rehabbing essentially for a few years. Yeah. Did you have a chance to continue your education while that was going on? Uh, honestly, I I didn't even want to think about that. I just wanted to focus on you know getting because this is what I want to do right now. I want to. You know, I want to be a major league baseball player, and you know, when whenever that time comes that I hang up the cleats, like I'll I'll do school then. But right now, I want to focus on my uh, main goal of becoming a major league baseball player. So I just put a hundred percent of my energy in getting my knee better, and I know it took forever, but it's been so worth it to be finally healthy and be uh, 
be ready for a healthy uh, 2020 season, that's for sure. So, so, real quick, because I wrote this question. So you went from where you are home to Florida is 1,199 miles. I, I Google mapped it. And then you're – so you went from there, 2,000 miles to play ball, JC. Um, great. But then you committed to ASU, which is another – I didn't map that out, but it's another 2,000 miles away. I'm like, you will go to the corners of the earth to play baseball. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's what it's all about, man. You know, yeah. and then three years of commi- you know, three years of rehabbing and there's surgeries. And just, you know, what I put in that intro, the grit and tenacity, it's really just sheer will and grit and tenacity to get back on the field. And it paid off. All right. Well, I want to jump back to, commu- to JC for a moment here, right. though. Um, was there a – so they were the manatees, right? Yeah, yeah, the manatees. Was there a mascot? There was. Um, it only showed up a few times, but it was a really cool mascot. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. All right. It was a cool mascot. So I went down a rabbit hole, and former Padres Johnny Grubb, Jody Reed, Derek Lee, Calix Crabby, and current Padres minor leaguer Brad Zunica all went to SCF Manatee, Sarasota. Um, and there's a whole long list of players that wound up going pro out of that program. Did you get a chance to interact with any uh, major league veterans while you were there? Yeah, actually. Uh, so I saw, I actually became pretty good friends with Brad Zunica even before I signed with the Padres because he would always hang out, you know, with the, the sophomore guys that were there the year before when he got drafted. Um, that were my friends now. So I got to know him pretty well. And then Calix Crab came and uh, he practiced with us a few times. Great guy. And uh, I think he's a hitting coach somewhere now. Is he really? With the Rangers, I want to say. He's <laughs> a great guy. That's for sure. Um, and then one day, uh, D Gordon and uh, what's uh, D Gordon's brother's name? That's with the twins. Oh, I don't uh, know. I have I no can't idea. I think of it right now. But uh, he, they both came and uh, just hung out with the team, so it was really cool getting to see them. I think it was right off the year that he went off and just did really well, so it was really cool to see him. That's right. He won a batting title one year. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like the year after that year. I can't remember, but it was really cool seeing them. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a special place. Uh, junior college is definitely, uh, I feel like, a route that a lot more people should take a serious look at because it it's, uh, it's a really good route for sure. So I looked up Calix Krabby. He was the assistant hitting coach for the Rangers this year for the big league team. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so how far he's come since you saw him. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. All right, so when the Padres signed you, they knew that you that you had an injury to your knee. You did, they didn't know how bad it was. What was the process between getting drafted and when you finally wound up having your first surgery? Um, so when I first got to Arizona after I signed, they didn't want me playing at all, so I just rehabbed. Like, like, did, did they have an MRI? Did they know anything about like structurally what was so, going on? Yeah, so they did an MRI like during my physical – um, I passed the physical. They said I might have to get surgery like down the road, um, but we want to sign you. And so, like, obviously I wanted to play pro ball, and I, I signed, and very glad I did. And uh, so I ended up reporting to Arizona, started just rehabbing, not doing much every day, just kind of hitting. They wouldn't let me run or anything. Um, so – nothing was really getting better. So I had a minor surgery. I had like a little cleanup, um, rehabbed until about November of, uh, that year. And then I was ready for 17 spring training. Um, 
you know, I was, I was hurting during the whole, whole, uh, spring training, wasn't uh. feeling good at all. Um, but I just wanted to grind through it, you know, first year playing pro ball, I wanted to go out there and prove what, prove what I can do and everything. But, you know, it's just not the same when, you know, you're just in pain every day. So I ended up, you know, letting them know that my knee was still bugging me. Um, so then I rehabbed a little longer, a little longer, ended up getting that, uh, allograft surgery, um, which what that is, is they take, I get a donor's cartilage, a cadaver, um, get the cartilage and bone from them and they cut my bad cartilage and bone out and put that in my knee and uh yeah that was a long long recovery um it's about a year and a half recovery for that for that to be completely healed um i knew what you know i knew that going into it they knew that but uh you know they saw you know they saw something to me and i obviously know what i can do myself so I wasn't going to give up. Um, they didn't give up on me and, uh, we, you know, they worked just as hard. Those trainers in Arizona are just, I mean, you can't, you can't top them. They're the best there is. Um, it's, it's just, uh, I was blessed to be with them and, uh, you know, we just worked our butts off, worked our butts off until, uh, you know, we got where we are and, uh, it's just, it's been a long road. Um, but it's at the end of the day, like, it's all about the process and uh i'm just i'm just blessed to be where i am today there's no doubt about it so what did you so during the rehab there's a lot of downtime in between that did you what did you what did you do for fun did you like play Fortnite? did you uh play canasta <laughs> so the first stint of rehab Fortnite wasn't out yet so i wasn't playing that but I'm, it was I'm world of warcraft Fortnite. wasn't it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, it was me, Paddock, and uh, Dominic the Sabatino. We all lived together, um, and we just, you know, had a great time. You know, we played a board game called Catan a lot. Played that a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah. familiar. That, that is one of the nerdiest board games you will find. <laughs> Settlers of Catan. It's, it's, yes. It's kind of like Risk. I, I sort of. But with dragons and yeah, it, yeah. princesses? I don't know. I don't... It was, it was, yeah, it was fun. You know, it, it, it definitely killed a lot of time. Like a game could be up to an hour and a half, two hours. So it's kind of just to kill some time. We did that. But uh, yeah, honestly, there's not. It, it, being out in uh, Peoria, Arizona, like. There's there's definitely a lot of stuff to do, but being there for so long at one time, like not being able to do stuff that you love doing, like play baseball, right? Um, it was definitely mentally it was really hard, but being around um, a good support group out there, like the trainers, my I made so many good friends during all this, and obviously my family back home, and uh, yeah, this is just it's been a, a pro- uh, process, but you know I want to. I would do it all over again, you know, just to, to, uh, you know, be playing the game I love. So how long were you roommates with, with Chris Paddock? Okay. So we were roommates pretty much that stint. We were all through. So I missed all of 17 and 18 and we were together the whole pretty much 18, all of 18, no 17. Okay. 17 we were together 17 we were together yeah because 18 he got he that. got back he finally left the complex yeah and 18 i they let me go home and rehab at home which i needed it my my uh 
you know, my head was in just all over the place. I needed to go get out of there and, uh, you know, be home with the family. And I'm so blessed they let me do that. It, you know, that was awesome with them and it definitely helped. Um, but yeah, after that, um, Paddock. So I was staying in a hotel this last spring training. Um, and Chris Paddock, like we were all obviously really good friends. He's like, dude, just come stay at my, uh, my apartment Naylor wasn't there yet (laughs) just sleep in Naylor's bed just sleep in just sleep in Naylor's bed and I'm like all right and I don't even I didn't know Naylor like very well at all like you know walking around you would think Naylor's like he's not the most talkative guy but like once you get to know him he's literally the best guy you could ever meet um but yeah we us three became just great friends throughout it all we talked pretty much every day um but yeah, so that's who I stayed with, and I'm pretty sure we're all going to stay each other this next spring training too. But at the hotels, right? You stay at the hotel. You know, they make the bed. You know, there's like room service. There's definitely there's definitely pluses for both. There's no doubt about it. Like <laughs> hotel, not as good Wi-Fi. Ah. The apartment, really good Wi-Fi. And you know, if you like playing video games, you gotta you gotta put that into it. So, so you so know, how does the so? I mean, we've learned a lot about what minor leaguers get paid. Yeah. And when guys are at the complex, they're typically not paid. At least I don't understand. There's there's not a whole lot going on there. Uh, but they'll put you up in a place. And do they provide you with food? Did you have a per diem? How did that How did that work? Yeah. So you still uh, obviously get paid whatever the other minor leaguers, uh, like the rehabbers, all get paid. You know, okay. um, the same as anyone else. And but their living is all free. Like they, the meals at the complex, there was two a day. There was breakfast and lunch. So, I mean, they treat you, they treat you very good. That's yeah. They treat the, uh, they treat the minor league rehabbers and obviously the big, big league rehabbers very good. Um, they understand what, you know, you're going through and, uh, they help out. They try to help you out as much as you can. You know, I heard that somewhere and I don't remember who said it, but they came from another organization into the Padres and they said that where they were, like the minor league side was over there and the big league side is over here. And the food was so dramatically different where with the Padres, you guys might not like have the same locker rooms or whatever, but the dining area is the same spot. You get most of the same perks. Yeah. Which yeah. Is- that's so, that's actually funny. You say that, like I was just about to bring up how I stayed with uh, Travis Jankowski. I stayed with him um, during spring training and, it would have been 18 right before I went home. I stayed with him and his wife, Lindsay, um, best people you could ever meet. I'm sure you guys have met him. Awesome people. Um, but yeah, I actually was rehabbing. It was when he fractured his foot, I believe in 2017. Um, so I was just feeding him balls, you know, obviously like I don't, I'm pretty sure like Damien Easley was out of town and he's the, he was the rehab coordinator, the rehab guy who would help all the infielders and hitters, you know, that were rehabbing. So he wasn't there to like feed Travis balls. And I was like, dude, I'll, I'll do it for you, man. I'm not doing anything right now. Like I'm just chilling. So I, I started feeding balls off the tee, flipping them balls for a couple of weeks straight and just became really good friends. And he just, at the end of it was like, Hey man, like if you want somewhere to stay next spring training, like, just to come stay with me. I was like, are you kidding me? That'd be so fun. Yeah. So it was really, it was really awesome. They're like the best people. And, ever, you know, so. but now he's married. So he'll be kind of like the third wheel. You'll like be the, you know, you'll, you'll be the third wheel. I don't think Paddock's that's, married yet. 
Yeah, so and then they get yeah, honestly, a baby. <laughs> I was nervous about that too at first, but literally, like they treated me like a little brother. Like they treated me as part of the family, so it wasn't even any different. Um, and then they had a uh, little Bentley, um, their baby. He's not so little anymore, but Lindsay calls Lindsay calls me Uncle E. Travis does not say it. Uh-huh. He'd be like, "You're not Uncle E. You're not Uncle E." I'm like, "All right, dude." Yeah, right. he's in charge, so right. <laughs> he's got to draw that line somewhere. <laughs> All right, so so your rehab was going great and everything like that. How did you know that you were finally ready to start playing in live games? Um, so you know, I was feeling great. Um, everything was feeling good, but like mentally, I was very like unsure. I was very like sca- I was I was scared to go back out there and you know you know play like I used to and. Uh, Honestly, after the first game, I was like, "This, I'm good. I was, I was good. Uh, just getting out there, and after even my first at bat, I was like, "I'm good. Like, this is what I, I want to do, and uh, this is what I'm gonna do for years to come." And it's just been, it's been so fun. Just this year was just, this, it was awesome to be able to play again. Um, just very fortunate I was able to. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun this year. Well, yeah, real, real fun this year because you played. You started the season in in Arizona. You didn't start in Fort Wayne when it's like forty degrees <laughs> and you're playing the first pitch. It's um, and then you show up in you know then you show up in Fort Wayne in July. So it's like oh, is it like this all the time? <laughs> what no kidding? Yeah. Walking onto that field, you know, you, you, you said that walking onto the field backfields in uh, in Arizona made you feel like a big leaguer. Walking into Fort Wayne and Parkview Field must have just, you must have been an all-star, you know, and it just must have yeah. been crazy. Yeah, so, you know, playing my first game, like, and in Arizona, obviously, like you said, I felt like I made the big league. It's like, just through all I'd been through, you know, two and a half years of just grinding and, you know, all that just going through all of that i finally like got to be able to play the game i love again and it just felt so good to do that and then obviously when i got to fort wayne like there's actually fans there <laughs> and you know it, it was a lot of fun um fort wayne you know just great people that work there just everyone um everyone there is so awesome the stadium obviously unbelievable so fun playing in front of them all the fans there, and uh, just the Midwest League in general. I had a blast playing in it. It was a lot of fun. So I guess this is probably where I should talk about the game that Angela and I were at that was the high point for the Fort Wayne season from what what I understand. So it was was Thirsty Thursday, so they had a packed ballpark for that. They were going to have fireworks, but then they had a guy from – what's the show? He's on ESPN, the Dan Levitard Levitard show. show, And so that packed the house even more. So they were playing Clinton, I think. No, not Clinton. They were playing Peoria, the Peoria Chiefs. They fell behind. It was looking ugly. And then they started coming back. They kept coming back. I think you had a single with a two-base error. You wound up on third base at one point. You had an awesome game. And you wound up scoring the winning run because you were the front end of a double steal. Yeah, so AC likes to do the steal and stop a lot. And honestly, like for a team that doesn't, play like if you just play a team like obviously they're not in our division so we hadn't played them much or or at all from what i from what i knew um he was like be ready to run the steal and stop today and you know he he, i was at third he's like we're doing it um and pretty much what it is is a guy on first he 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 just 
he leaves early, um, steals, and stops right in his tracks halfway. And right as the catcher literally gets like an inch up, like right at his first move, I go. And what kind of like when I did that, the catcher pump faked. I'm like, uh, because like it's a risk reward type thing, right? yeah. Like, because if he gets up and if he gets up and throws it, you're you're safe at home. You went on his first move, um, but yeah, he went up, he pump faked, did not look at me, so I just like sat there. That's all I could do is sit there. He pump fakes, doesn't look at me, and just throws it to second. Oh. And I just like walk into home. I was like, I it was it was crazy though. It was so much fun. <laughs> I wonder if he was having a moment, having to just process what was going on. Like, wait, what do I do? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's like why. Why you're like as a catcher, I'm sure you're like, why did that guy just stop? <laughs> like right in the face. Right. So it was funny though. It was. It was. Uh, that was an unbelievable game to be a part of, and uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. So when you started playing in games again, did you have those moments where you had to like stop and relearn stuff because you hadn't played an actual <laughs> game for so long? Yes, base running was definitely like the biggest thing for me. You know, just like getting back out on the base pass was definitely the the biggest thing for me. Just making a few like base my running mistakes, um, getting picked off a few times. It's just you know Ooh. stuff like that. Yeah, I, I got picked off a few times. You know, uh, just not being out on the base pass. You know, I was like, I got over to AC one time. I'm like, AC, I promise you, I'm not this bad as bad as base running. <laughs> And he's like, I know, man, like you're pretty much a new draft guy. That's what we're treating you as. And uh, you just need to obviously learn all of it again. And well, obviously, like I know all of it, but there's just still so much to learn. And uh, just the basics, I just need to get back to doing those again. So, well, on the base, on the base pass, so much of it is instinctual. You need to be able to make that decision. You know, you can't even think about it. So 100%. if you haven't been doing that regularly, then you're out of practice and you, the situation yeah. happens, you recognize it, but it might take you a second to realize, wait, I should do this. I'm, I'm, yeah. I was never good at that. I always, it, you know, I would happen in like three seconds later. I'm like, Oh, I could have totally walked a second, but I didn't go yeah. because I'm a chicken. <laughs> okay. So you made your affiliate debut for Fort Wayne against the Clinton lumberjacks. Uh, Clinton, um, it's just a couple hours from Metamora. So did you get a pretty big contingency coming out to Clinton to cheer you on? Yeah. Um, being so short notice, like a lot of my friends couldn't make it, but pretty much my whole family was there besides my brother. Um, he was in Arizona at the time, so he couldn't make it. Um, but literally my both sets of my grandparents were there, which was unbelievable to uh, see because they haven't seen me play since high school. Um so it was that was very special to me. Um, both of my parents came out, both of my sisters, um, my girlfriend uh, made it out. So it was uh, it was definitely like it was really special, a uh, really special day for sure. Well, go, you know, making the adjustment from you know complex ball into uh, into a ball. How how was that? Because you 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 hit pretty well in in a ball. Yeah. So. You know, it's just more so uh, the pitchers know what they're doing a little more. Um, uh, you know, I the biggest struggle for me was, you know, I, I got up there and I was very, I was very antsy at first. Like, I wanted to like, you know, show everyone what I can do, yeah. and uh, you know, I was just chasing at some bad pitches and uh, at the first for the first couple of weeks, just just chasing at bad pitches and just stuff like that. Me and uh, Jonathan Meyer, um, who was the a hitting coach in uh, Arizona, we worked together a lot um, down there. 
um, he actually came up and uh, for one week and we just, we talked and he's like, man, you just need to loosen up. Like, and then after that, pretty much, you know, chasing pitches is just something that I feel like is, you know, it can be so in your head with, and, uh, you know, just kind of loosened up at the plate a little bit and just, just had fun and, you know, just, yeah, just had a lot of fun with you it. Know, being away from the game for so long, you want to make up for lost time by just doing too much. You know, it's funny because we talked to Rello Padron, the, the double-A hitting coach for Amarillo, and he talks about that a lot with, with, with you young players are so talented, you're so eager to just do so much that a lot of his coaching was just getting guys like, just, dude, just attack each pitch. Like, you don't yeah. stay within yourself. You know, you're like a baby rattlesnake. You have so much venom, and you want to bite everything and just do everything at once when you it's at bat to at bat. It's pitch to pitch. Exactly. So exactly. Were, did some of the teammates there do some stuff to help keep you loose? Uh, I I know that Juan Fernandez is, a, is a kind of a class clown down there. So did they do some things to kind of help you relax and, and calm down a little bit? Oh, yeah. He was definitely one of them. You know, like you're struggling a game. Um, he'll come up, rub your shoulders, you know, make crack a joke. He's awesome guy right there. Um, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, he's the best. <laughs> yeah, it was just there's a lot of good people on that team. A lot of a lot of guys that uh, became really good friends with. Um, Who'd your room with? Yeah, it was, um, I stayed with Cody Tyler. Um, who else? Did I stayed with Michael Curry. Um, who stayed with Curry? Austin Smith was with Curry because we had six people in the apartment and it was me and Cody in one room. You must uh, not have had much quiet time with Austin Smith around. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, but Cody um, Tyler, I got to give him a shout out. He is such a nice dude. We were oh, hanging yeah, out back by the, by the bullpen and he came over and just, I mean, talked to us about all kinds of stuff. Super nice guy. Yeah, he was, it was definitely like good to be around him a lot at first, you know, being, uh, uh, like, vet guy like he just does everything right um just just a great guy overall just it was great being around him for a while and uh just him showing me the ropes there the first uh, couple weeks was pretty awesome so you played third base primarily uh exclusively this year so do you think you're gonna stick there or do you move anywhere else in the infield yeah so they pretty much said that uh they want to keep me at third this year to limit my uh limit me moving around pretty okay. much um obviously next year like i'll be going back to second base and shortstop and uh they'll be mixing me around uh but i take pride in being able to play anywhere like i even play the corner outfield spots so whatever it takes to get me in the lineup like that's all that's all i want so put me wherever and just keep me in the lineup i'll be happy with that i i guess with the knee that's that's still on the mend there's a lot of footwork that happens around around second base there's collisions there's people just getting tied up with each other so I, I can see why they might want to be careful with you there so from a hitting standpoint uh after you got to fort wayne did the guys there make any adjustments with you or did they just kind of let you do your thing um yeah they kind of just uh let me do my thing um like i said earlier like i was chasing a few pitches every like you know at the start of the year which really isn't what I, I – I don't normally chase pitches like that. And, you know, I did for – I did a lot, honestly, at the beginning. <laughs> um, so, you know, they just just made some few adjustments with that. Uh, we'd go hit early uh, on the field just before the game, um, just work. Um, but, 
you know, nothing mechanically they changed. They just kind of let me do my thing. And, uh, it was, it was just really a, a great coaching staff there. And I had a lot of fun. So the season's over. You've had a full season of play for the first time in forever. How's the knee feeling? How's the body doing? Uh, everything's feeling great. Um, just started doing yoga the other day, trying to get a little more flexible. Nice. Um, well, I saw but, the workout. Uh, I saw the workout on Instagram, dude. You're you're doing some hardcore stuff there. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been you know my trainer Kyle here is uh, the best. Um, he's really into the PRI stuff, um, which is like breathing and all this stuff. And uh, I really like what we're doing. And uh, yeah, just trying to put on some weight this off season. Uh, keep my stamina up because um, obviously. I'm not going to just play 55 games next year. I'm going right. to play, you know, 140, a, a lot, a lot more than that. So you got to be ready for that. Get in good shape. Uh, just get stronger and uh, just get ready for 2020. So you're staying at home this, this winter. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying home the whole winter. They, they had talks about me maybe going to Australia at the like half end of it. So we'll see what happens there. But other than that, yeah, I'm staying at home, maybe going to a few camps in Arizona. They have those little uh, mini camps out yeah. there, so yeah. might go out there. But uh, other than that, yeah, staying home, you know, just working out here. Have you taught anybody at home how to play Settlers of Catan yet? <laughs> no, I feel like that would be a little too – I, I want to be the best at explaining that one. That might take a little bit. Well, hey, do we, really, do we really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us? Uh, you get anything else? Yeah, I'm I'm good, but we will uh, we'll definitely meet up with you at spring training. We'll be down yeah. there. I look forward to it, guys. I really uh, appreciate you guys taking the time. It was a pleasure. All right, thank right, you, thank you. That was cool. Yeah, it was a good conversation with yeah. Ethan. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's been through so much, and I he talked about the the mental side of it, the psychological side of of recovery from an injury like that. Yeah, and I I can't I can only imagine what it's like being around the game every day, watching guys go out there and play, and you just got to sit there and put your foot up on the couch. Yeah, and then the next season again, you watch these guys are moving up. You know, he, he talked about Gavin Lux and uh, Bo Bichette, those guys that he was drafted with. They're already in the big leagues, and he like he said it himself. It's like who, who knew what would happen if, if he would have been healthy? And for in our standpoint, he would have already cruised right through, perhaps gone gone through Lake Elsinore into Double A. Who knows? And he's if you look back at his at his high school and his junior college kind of numbers and the the performance like the ratings that he had he was a really well-regarded prospect yeah. he, he could do it all yeah. he could field shortstop play anywhere and the guy hit for for power hit for average he had speed on the bases he he was doing it all so if he would have hit the ground running who knows where he would have gone but i'm just glad now that he's healthy again he's put in a good finishing year and you see really good guy yeah. Super nice yeah. personable guy yeah. that the kind of person you want to root for to see him do well absolutely and coachable Definitely coachable, humble, loves the game, wants to be out there. And that's, you know, these are all cliches, but it's like, dude, you don't rehab for three years if you don't absolutely want to get back. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Trusting there's a lot of guys yourself. that wind up going down that road. And then at some point, they just kind of pull the cord and say, right. that's it. I can't do this anymore. Right. But he kept chasing his dream and uh, it gets to continue. Yeah, absolutely. So next week. Next week, I believe we're going to be talking to Katie Wu. Yes, Katie Wu. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we forgot to ask me if we got any brown gear. 
You get any of the new swag? Oh, I doubt it. No, they probably won't see that till spring. It, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me for them to still be wearing the blue and white stuff in spring training for the next. Yeah, you because know, they use the same uniforms and they recycle them for a while. Yeah. But did you see that Fort Wayne is auctioning off their Padres uniforms? Yes. I did. I almost put money in on one. I just, I if I do, I'll be broke. So I, I should have had this queued up, but I believe the uh, website is Fort Wayne Jersey. No, tincapsjersey.com. Yeah. And there, so there, the plane. It says Padres on the front. It has a plane number on the back, and then each listing states who wore that yeah. number. Yeah, which and, was kind of weird because multiple people wore the same jersey. Well, yeah, because they they we'll use just... the same number. They're, they use the same jersey until it wears out. Yeah, it's not like the majors where you get a little stain, you get a little right. tear, and no, <laughs> here's a new catch one. Catch up on there, like new jersey. No, I mean they patch them, they do yeah. all that stuff, yeah. and so you've got two or three guys worth of players that came through Fort Wayne. And sometimes it's multiple guys in a yeah. season that somebody moves on, right? Whoever's next. And the the number matches up with the size. So the highest numbers are the biggest sizes. The smallest numbers are the littlest sizes. Right. That's why Buddy Reed went to a, with a lower number so it fit better. Wasn't that what it was? It probably made him feel faster, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we got that to look forward to. Until uh, then, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Till then, go Padres. Go Padres.